Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Our healthcare system is under stress. It was before the pandemic and it opened up and showed us so much. And one of the things, the part of the stories that we saw is that people were not getting tested and people were appearing with more advanced conditions. Well, our screening process because of finances has certainly been under scrutiny for a long time. And now there's a move in the United States, a call to have screening lowered to the age of 40 for women for breast cancer. And some of the research there is showing that it would certainly change the outcome for many people who are diagnosed with breast cancer. That call is happening in the United States here in Canada as we look at the real a tightening of our finances and and in so many ways our screening process is this something that we should do joining us is Dr. Majola Amole Dr. Amole thank you for being here thank you so much for having me all right I, as we look at this call in in the United States does it matter does it resonate with you well 100% um i'm a and not just me but quite a bit of the Canadian Association of Radiologists have put out a position statement that we need to start screening uh, women and people who have breasts at starting at the age of 40 and at least uh, start with it yearly up until 10 years until we think that their uh, life expectancy is going to end. And the reason for this is the greatest benefit that screening provides mm-hmm. in terms of when we talk about dying from breast cancer it's actually those people from the age of 40 to 49, because these are the ones that wow. tend to be uh, grow rapidly, more hormone sensitive. And so they, those people will present with higher stage disease if they present with more aggressive disease. And so we know that if you actually screen this population, that we can actually reduce the risk of late stage cancer by 40%. And then overall, the risk of dying from breast cancer goes down by 25%. So they get the most benefit from early screening. Obviously, there's downsides to screening early. We, You have more dense breasts when you're younger. It hasn't become mm-hmm. fat replaced yet. And so it's going to pick up a lot of things that you're going to biopsy and not end up being anything. I do think we have to weigh that with those patients. And when people say that, you know what, mm-hmm. I'd rather have a biopsy that doesn't show anything then miss a cancer that becomes a later stage cancer that requires chemo and more treatment. All right, you know, 40 to 49, and if that's the age group, why haven't we been screening people in that in that capacity? Well, I think part of it is that we don't we didn't necessarily have the data to prove it. Even the data that we use now for screening uh, in Canada is based on a very flawed study. And there's recognition that that study is flawed. And I think that we just have a better understanding of cancer biology, of presentation of cancer, that 
it's now prompting more of us in the medical community who deal with breast cancer to be like, you know what, we really should have the screening at the age of 40 because they would have the greatest benefit from early detection. And we also know that, you know, in Canada, we have a very diverse population. We know that Asian women and women from the um, West African diaspora, so anyone who is that became part of the slave trade or from West Africa, we mm-hmm. actually have more aggressive triple negative disease that actually the age of incidence is like 45 compared to Caucasian women, which have hormone positive disease, where the age of incidence mm-hmm. is probably around 60 to 65. So, you know, even with the change in demographics, we don't necessarily take that all into account before. It's just kind of like a wide blanket statement. Everyone should be screened at this age. But if we actually tease it out, there's a great benefit for racialized women in Canada to be screened starting at the age of 40 and um, for all women, honestly, to also start screening at the age of 40. Is that what it means, too? My next question I was going to ask you in the study in the United States, they said uh, this was based on, quote, new and more inclusive science. Is that what you mean? Yes, I think that that is what it is in the sense of, you know, we don't like medicine, like many of our institutions, is it is uh, based on a white patriarchy. And so there's not always an understanding of like, well, actually other people are presenting with this. And then we also have like migration, right? And so our population is more diverse, which means that we also have to respond with providing our patients um, an inclusive holistic way of looking at breast cancer. And that is to say that, you know, certain um, ethnic groups have aggressive disease that start earlier, they benefit from screening. I would actually go as far as saying by the age of 30, you should mm-hmm. have had the conversation with your healthcare provider about what your risk of breast cancer is, whether there's a family history, you know, um, you know, your ancestry. So it's better understood. And so that, so by the, by the time 40 comes along, it's something that's already in your mind, but you know what, at 40, I have to start my screening. It is. And, you know, this, this could be costly. Do the benefits outweigh the costs here, doctor? I would say that they do. Uh, if we look at the cost of screening versus the cost of chemotherapy, immune therapy, uh, hormonal therapy uh, for people who have breast cancer. I, I do think early screening beats that, but and also I'm a physician. I'm not, um, I don't honestly care that much about like financing things because at the end of the day, I rather my patients who do well, breast cancer, all stages, you still do well, but your quality of life does change whether you get chemotherapy, whether you get radiation therapy on top of it. And for some people, that's their, like, you know, having numbness in their fingers permanently, that affects their livelihood. So in a way, I think when we, like, we have to weigh also not just the, the, the amount that it costs to do a mammogram, but what happens in terms of quality of life and also your ability to work, right, and contribute to the society. That also has to be taken into account when we're doing a cost-benefit analysis. Getting stuff early, it's not just even breast cancer, is it? I I was just talking to a a doctor a few weeks ago who was lamenting not even screening for lung cancer could save lives. Kind of the the same situation. You just get it too late. 
Yeah, 100%. I do think that, you know, uh, part of the guidelines that were made previously was based on old information where, you know, the the mortality probably wasn't as good. Now we know that if if we catch cancers, different kinds of cancer at an earlier stage, the benefit is great. Like we are able to cure people of their cancer, but really and truly the most important thing to help with that is the timing of when you do it. And so, you know, I encourage all my patients to do their colon cancer screening at starting at the age of 50, or if you have a family history of polyps or colorectal cancer to screen, you know, earlier, uh, depending on the age of the person who has it in the family. Uh, but just having these conversations with your healthcare provider so you have a better understanding of your risk and so you can really um, advocate for yourself in terms of screening. All right. So is this something that you think is going to be moved on here? I mean, this has got a lot of a lot of attention. As we said, it's this is breast cancer, but other areas and we've looked at it during the pandemic and we had even people not even doing the regular irregular screening here. Yeah. Can you sure. feel that it could become a focus? I I, I... I think that for this, for it to move, it really has to come from people. Uh, we, as you know, we are the taxpayer dollars. It's our money that are being spent. And we should have an understanding of how our money is being spent. And if preventative care, which is the most important, and we know that if you actually invest in preventative care, you save millions of dollars downstream in terms of reactive care, which is treating, you know, cancers at later stages. So I would say that really, it really demands upon us as um, a population, as Canadians, to be able to uh, talk to our elected officials about making this move with uh, um, the government of Canada. Some provinces, BC is already doing it. Alberta does it from the age of 45. And then the rest after that do it at after the age of 50. So, you know, BC is already progressive and able to do that. So what does what what does BC have that we can't do in Ontario? It's true. What about um, what about when we look at prostate cancer? It's always kind of tied in a lot with breast cancer, hormonal cancers. Are you aware that this benefit would help getting it earlier? We know it's a very slow-growing cancer. Is it different? Yeah, I, I, there's a lot of research looking at screening for prostate cancer, and basically the um, guidelines are that we shouldn't screen for uh, prostate cancer with doing annual PSAs, uh, so doing the uh, the blood work. But actually, when you do the analysis of it and you break it down amongst different groups, we actually found that people who are ethnically black, and so that's people from the West African diaspora again actually have a benefit from doing PSA screening because they have a higher rate of prostate cancer and they also have more aggressive phenotypes of prostate cancer. You know, and all of most of this data is from the US, which has mm-hmm. which even when they correct for the differences in health insurance and, you know, socioeconomics that is a bit different than Canada, you still find that men who are ethnically black have more aggressive disease. And this is the group that actually do benefit from doing uh, prostate screening. So I do think that, you know, similar to what the position paper had said for breast cancer screening is that we really have to take in the different nuances of different ethnic groups when we're making guidelines for different cancers, because we are not all the same and we don't all experience the same types of cancer or, um, 
have the same way of in terms of treating the cancer. Mm-hmm. And we miss the boat here. And it was always such a a great crying out from women saying, "Hey, you know, men's health is treated very very differently, and sometimes women are put on ignore, not with breast cancer, but with heart disease." There's a, a calling out, and now you're talking about this diversity. Is this the wave of the future? You know, we're always hearing from scientists and medical researchers that soon we're going to be able to get really granular on the individual. But really, that's what you're saying, the individual, including the ethnicity here, too. 100%. I actually would argue, I would say that women are still being ignored when it comes to women's oh, health. Yeah. Uh, many um, women have come to me saying that, you know, mm-hmm. I've felt this lump for over a year or over a few months, and mm-hmm. I was told that this is nothing, that it's, you know, nothing to worry about. We'll do something. We'll we'll see what it's like in six months, and then it is a cancer. And so, I don't actually think that women's health is ever is prioritized. I do think it's still um, in the back burner. Um, but I don't ever think that it's you know it's never too late. And I do think that you know part of precision medicine and individualized medicine takes in your background. And you know we are even the race itself is a social construct. Our genetics isn't. And there is parts of different parts of the world that have different genetic variances. And we also have to start including that in the way where we screening and treating uh, different kinds of cancers. Is, is there any resistance for that or is it being welcomed in your opinion? Oh, there's always resistance. <laughs> um, <laughs> I knew I the answer to that question. When you challenge uh, the status quo, uh, where people like to say, well, I don't see color, but I'm like, well, you know what? Cancer does see your genetics, so it doesn't matter. And so this is not about prioritizing one group over the other, but it's looking at the fact that different groups have different presentations. And so we have to take that into account when we're talking about genetics. But I, I, I think it's hard uh, for um, people in established who are established in medicine, but I do think, you know, the newer graduates who are coming out have a much more nuanced understanding of that because they've been taught that. And they kind of they, we see the changes uh, socially and politically, and so we have a better understanding of how genetics and ethnicity tie in together. All right, you know, as as we look at this, and it's kind of an eye opener here. Is is this going to spread? Do you think? I mean, are we going to start again looking at people as individuals? Well, I hope so. Um, you know, I most of us that. Uh, you know, when we practice medicine, especially in oncology care, we, we do try our best to individualize their care uh, down to the genetics of their of their uh, cancer because two people can have breast cancer and have completely different, can have different mm-hmm. treatment plans based mm-hmm. on the genetics of theirs. But I, there is definitely a move, definitely more robust in the U.S. that tends to, that do collect race-based data and to start following the cultural and it's called anthropological uh, oncology to start following how that affects presentation. So I do think, you know, in the next 50 years, this conversation would sound really quaint because they're like, well, duh, of course we do that. Um, but I think at this stage, um, we're still, this is still a new frontier uh, in terms of uh, personalized uh, medicine. 
All right, final question here. What's it like? I mean, there's women who are hearing this story who've gone through breast cancer and they must be so frustrated, which is the polite way of saying angry. And, you know, you just told a little bit of a story. I had this lump or something. But there's people here who probably saying, you know, if I did get this earlier, I wouldn't be in this predicament here. A hundred percent. And I completely... I can sympathize with them as best as I can uh, to say that I hear you. Um, you know, we not catching it early changed the trajectory of your, not just you, but your family mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. you know, your, your future. And that's mm-hmm. completely understandable that you feel anger. Uh, I find that like quite a bit of women that I work with have turned their anger into just, you know, passionate advocacy mm-hmm. and really, mm-hmm standing in the gap and truly trying to encourage uh, women and people who have breasts in terms of advocating for themselves. There's a great organization in Toronto called the Olive Branch of Hope, which uh, is which focuses on helping and advocating for uh, black women and breast cancer because black women present earlier. So you have women in their early 30s, early 40s with breast cancer who were ignored for a few months, for six months, because, oh, you're too young to have breast cancer. I do think that after the anger phase, quite a bit of them have been able to turn it into a fuel for their advocacy to really get the word out that we need to start screening earlier. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.